0: Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. This morning, we are going to consider a wife's most important words. A wife's most important words. We have been studying the tongue and our words and how important our words are. And as I have been praying over what God would want us to deal with, this week He impressed me unmistakably that we need to deal with the wives and tongues of the husbands as well. And our words as husbands and wives. And this week, uh, ladies, you are the fortunate ones to receive the instruction from the Lord as we deal with the most important words that a wife should speak. And we shall also deal with the most important words that a wife should not speak. And next week, Lord willing, we will address the husbands the same way. Some of the most important words, if not the most important words, that married people speak are words they speak to their spouse. Now let's think about that for a moment. What is the most important human relationship? It's a husband and wife relationship, right? As that relationship goes, so goes the family. As that relationship goes, so goes the church. As that relationship goes, so goes society. And so the most important relationship is a husband and wife relationship. And we've already seen the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? That says to me that the words that a husband and wife speak to each other can either bring life to that marriage, can bring strength to that marriage, can be building to that marriage, or they can bring death to that marriage relationship. They can destroy it. Therefore, the most important words that husbands and wives speak are those words they speak to each other. Therefore, it is crucial that we see the words that God says that we should speak to each other, and the words we should not speak to each other you have a place in your outline to take notes, let so me encourage you to do so. First, we're going to look at the most important words a wife should speak to her husband. Now, ladies, you think about that a moment. What do you think God says the most important words that you should speak to your husband are? Now, think about it. In your own heart of hearts, ladies, what would you say? Some of you would say, well, loving words. I mean, I ought to tell him I love him. Right? I mean, kind words. Well, I want you to know that that's incorrect. That is not the words that are most important for your husband. Now, those are the most important words for you. And your husband should be speaking those kind of words to you. Do you know the most important words you should be speaking to your husband? Words of respect. Words of admiration. Some of you are taking a what? What do you mean? Some of you are finding that hard to believe. You mean it's more important that I speak words of respect and admiration to my husband than words of love? Yeah. I know it's right for two reasons. First, because I'm a man and I know what we men need. But more important than that, I know it because God says it. Now turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Now this is a passage that deals with husbands and wives and their relationship to one another. And we're going to just look at verse 33 today. We'll save the rest of it for Sometime in the future, as the Lord directs. But verse 33. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife even as himself. And let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. this entire passage on the husband and wife relationship, nowhere does Paul say that the wife is to love her husband. You won't find it. What he does say is that the wife is to respect her husband. Now why is that? Did he just inadvertently leave it out? No. He was under the direction of the Spirit of God. Every word that came forth, came forth from God. It's because your husband's greatest need is not that you love him, but that you respect him. As hard as you may find that to believe, he needs and wants your respect and your admiration more than he wants your love. Now, God made men this way. It's not our fault. He made us this way. Now, I don't doubt the fall probably heightened some of these negative aspects of it, but nevertheless, He made us this way. Even Adam was this way. You ever notice how little boys, three, four, five years old, want to show off in front of girls? I mean, it's just inborn in us. The very reality of cheerleaders. Why not have a group of guys over on the sidelines cheering the guys on? Because they don't care that much what the guys think. They want the girls to respect them and admire what they're doing, right? I mean, those cheerleaders over there on the sidelines cheering those players, man, that's what gets those guys fired up. You know, that coach can say all he wants to say about men be men and all this, and, yeah, coach, yeah, but it's when those girls over there saying, go to it, boys, go to it, that they really want to go to it. Right? It's just something born within us. A man will do almost anything to get the respect and admiration of the woman he loves. And there's a positive aspect of this. And that is the drive to achieve that's in within men. is as they seek to achieve in order to win that respect and that admiration of the woman they love. They want to live up to their wife's respect. And when he knows you respect and admire him, he will do even more to keep that respect and that admiration. That's the positive aspect of it. Now, there is a negative aspect as well. It is such a great need in a man's life to be respected and admired, particularly by the woman that he loves, that if she is not doing that, it makes him highly susceptible to the admiration of another woman. Be it a secretary at work, be it a girl at the health club, be it a co-worker. That's why Scripture warns men of the flattery of the adulteress, or the wayward wife. Proverbs 2, 16 says, "...to deliver you from the strange woman." from the adulteress who flatters with her words. Wise, one of the best ways you can protect your husband from the adulteress is to make sure you are speaking words of respect and admiration to him. This will keep him from being so susceptible to the flattery of another woman. If he's being built up and encouraged and respected and admired at home, then this need is being met, and he doesn't look for it to be met in other places improperly. Well, what are words of respect and admiration? Some of you are familiar with the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible is a Bible that takes into consideration that in a translation of any work, and many of you who've had a foreign language know that when you translate from one language into another, that you can miss something. Because there's not always an exact parallel of one word in one language to another word in another language. Many times the word in English is just not rich enough to give the meaning of the word in the Greek language, say it's in the New Testament. And so, therefore, you need more than one English word to give the full meaning of that Greek word. Well, the Amplified takes that into consideration, and so they amplify on key words to give the fullness of the meaning of that word in the original. Now, let me give you an example of this passage we're looking at in Ephesians five thirty-three, on what it means for a wife to respect her husband. Now, let me read you what the Amplified says. Now, ladies, you are not going to believe this, so listen closely. But I will read it twice. All right. Now, if there's any doubt in your mind that men were translating this, it will be removed at this point. All right. Let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband. That she notices him. Regards him. Honors him him, prefers him, venerates, and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. And that's the Bible, folks, right there. So you see, ladies, what are words of admiration, words of respect? It means to reverence, to respect to regard Him highly, to honor Him, to prefer Him, to venerate and esteem Him, to praise Him, to love and admire Him exceedingly. And words that express this attitude and these emotions are words that are words of respect and words of admiration. Now, do you notice a natural reaction in you to speaking these kind of words to your husband? Now, some of you had that reaction. You want me to praise him? You want me to venerate him? To highly esteem him? And speak those kind of words? Well, you may have had a reaction to that thought. Well, if you did, let me tell you what's the reaction. The reaction is coming from your indwelling sin, it's coming from your sin nature. There is a natural resistance to doing these things. You think, well, he might get the big head if I do all this to him. Well, there are four things I want you to realize as you think about this. You might want to jot these down, ladies. Realize, first of all, that Satan does not want you to speak words of respect and admiration to your husband. He doesn't want it. He knows how much that man needs it. He knows how much it will help your marriage relationship, and therefore He does not want you to do it. So some of your resistance may well be coming from Him. Secondly, realize it is God who commands you to do so, not me, not your husband. It's God who says, See to it that the wife respects her husband. Third thing I want you to realize is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do this. God has never commanded you to do anything that He will not give you the grace and strength to do it. So you can do it. As hard as you might think it would be, with His grace you can do it. And then, fourthly realize, that the Bible says, to him who knows what is right and does not do it, to him it is sin. So now that you know it is right for you to speak these words to your husband, if you decide not to do it, you are living in sin. It's just that simple. It's just that clear. He that knows what is right and fails to do it to him, it is sin. Now let me share with you four areas that your husband especially needs to hear your words of respect. Respect. Four areas he especially needs to hear them. First, in the area of his physical masculinity, he needs you to admire and respect him in his physical masculinity. Second, in his mental masculinity. For instance, his dependability in his job, his sound judgment, his determination and steadfastness in what he does, his decisiveness in making decisions. The third area is his spirituality. His spirituality. He needs to hear words of respect and admiration on his courage to stand on the word of God no matter what the price or the cost. Of his honesty. Of his commitment to the be a man of God. Of his hunger for God. His thirst for righteousness. Words that respect and admire his spiritual insights from the Word of God. Fourthly, his role as a husband and father. He needs to hear words of respect and admiration that of his ability to provide, of his commitment to the kids, of his protection of you and the children, spiritually as well as physically, of his leadership in the home. And his desire to lead you in the ways of God. So these are just four of the areas in particular he needs to hear words of respect and admiration. You could add others and should probably. Well, how do you express your respectful words? Two things you need to remember. First, be sincere. Be sincere. You need to cultivate true admiration before you speak. If you just go home and speak some words because of this sermon, he will detect it and he'll resent the false praise. You say, well, that's going to take some doing, preacher. Well, think about it. Think about that man. What attracted you to him in the first place years ago? You ought to be able to admire that about him and respect that. Every man has either brain or brawn or skill. Now, he has one of those three. Find the one he's got and admire it and speak words of admiration ask God to help you Lord help me I want to be able to admire and respect this man help me to see things that I can can speak truthfully words of admiration and respect and God will help you spend some time in prayer with that and then second broad outline not only be sincere but be specific don't just say oh you're a good husband Oh, you're a manly kind of man. No, you need to be more specific than that. Give specific qualities that you admire. Maybe examples of things that he's done. You know, I notice that when you speak, the children are really calmed by your deep voice. It just has a common effect upon them. And if you can say that in sincerity, that's a word of respect, Admiration of a manly quality. Give particular examples, and this will help him. Now let's talk about the most important words that a wife should not speak to her husband. Now this is over in First Peter chapter three. So take your Bible, turn to first Peter chapter three. First Peter three Let's read together verses 1 through 6. In The same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who adorned, excuse me, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Ladies, what do you think the most important words that you should not speak to your husband? Well, we've just read what they are. Did you see it? Did you pick it up? It's found in verse 1. The key is the phrase, if any of them are disobedient to the word any of them are disobedient to the word. What do you do when your kids are disobedient? You correct them, don't you? You get on to them. You tell them where they're wrong. And you correct them. Well, the very words that you should not speak to your husband are words of correction. Words of correction. Now remember, God's saying, it's not me. Look again at verse 1. The same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives if they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Now notice how different that is from our natural inclination again. I mean, the very thing your husband needs are words of respect, and your natural inclination is not to give those. The very thing he does not need are your words of correction, and your natural inclination is to correct him when he does wrong. The old sin nature is just at work and at odds with everything God is doing. Because the flesh and the spirit are at enmity with one another, Scripture says in Galatians. Therefore, you see your husband doing something is wrong, your natural inclination is to correct him. God is saying that's not your job. That is not your job. That is not God's design for you. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict your husband of his sin. God has not designed you to be your husband's live-in pastor. He has not designed you to be there and every time he does something wrong to correct him. He has not designed you to be your husband's Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict him of sin. Your job is to respect that man. To admire that man. You're not responsible for your husband's sin. Now listen to that, wives. Because I get the impression sometimes, wives think they're responsible for their husband's sin. You're not. If your husband is disobedient to the Word, you're not responsible for that. You say, but what about those scripture passages like Galatians where it says, you know, if a brother is in sin, then go to him and correct him. Well, you have a principle of biblical interpretation that is that the clear passages always have precedent over the ambiguous passages and since nowhere in scripture do we read wives correct your husbands when they're wrong but rather we have just the opposite don't say a word to them then we have to conclude that the passages that talk about going to a brother who is in sin deals with one man going to another man who is in sin or perhaps one lady going to another lady who is in sin but not a wife going to her husband because the scripture is clear on that God's job for you is not for you to be responsible for your husband's sin. Did Eve get blamed for Adam's sin? And if there ever was a case that you could have blamed somebody, you would think it would be that case, wouldn't you? But instead, Adam has to take the blame for Eve's sin. Nowhere does Scripture say because of one woman's sin, sin entered into the human race. No, it says because of one man's sin. She's not responsible for him. God never holds her responsible for her husband's sin, but rather he holds the husband responsible for the wife's sin. And so it's not your job, ladies, to correct your husband when he sins. Now God will use you. God will use you to win your husband when he is disobedient to the word, but it will not be with your words. How will God use you? What will he use? Look again in verses 1 and 4. First, he will use your submissive spirit. Also in verse 4, he will use your quiet and gentle spirit. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Not only will he use your attitude of submission and your quiet and gentle attitude, but he's going to use your behavior to win your husband. What kind of behavior? Look in verse 2. As they observe, and that word means to look closely, not just to glance, but to look closely, intently. As they look in closely and intently at your pure and respectful behavior. You see, God says, oh yes, I'm going to use you, wife. I'm going to use you mightily if you will follow my pattern. If you'll follow my way, I'll use you mightily to work on that husband who's disobedient. But it won't be by what you say. It's going to be by how you live. And it's going to be by your attitude. That's what I'll use to speak to him. Your submissive and quiet spirit, joined with your chaste and respectful behavior, will do far more to correct your husband when he's disobedient to the Word than anything you will ever say. Amen, men? The men know it's true. Let's look at these particulars. First, the submissive spirit. Now, we have a whole sermon reserved one day for this submission. But I want to give you just a quick overview, Ladies. Of what this means submission is not inferiority but is simply recognizing god's order that god has placed your husband as the leader of the family it's not saying he is superior or that you are inferior it's just recognizing god's order a good picture is a picture of the trinity god the father and god the son god the son is submitted to god the father There's an order there, but they're totally equal in all respects. Secondly, submission is not slavery, but it's helping your husband. God doesn't say you're to be your husband's slave. That's not what submission means. The word is a military term that means to place your abilities and talents under the direction of another in order to strengthen the entire army. The private puts his abilities under the instruction of the captain in order for the army to be strengthened. He says, I place my talents, my abilities under your direction, captain. Whatever you say, I'm glad to do. That's the picture of submission. Thirdly, it's not demeaning but exalting. It's not demeaning to submit to your husband, but rather it's exalting because it's fulfilling God's design for you. And anything that fulfills its design is more valuable, not less. And then fourthly, it's not optional. It's commanded by God. So a submissive attitude says, Honey, I realize God has placed you as the leader in this family. And I'm here to be your helper. I'm here to follow your direction and your leadership. And in doing so, I know that God will honor that, and I will actually be exalted in God's sight. And that's just the submissive spirit. Now, let's look at the quiet and gentle spirit, because that's important as well. Now, the word quiet means tranquil. Tranquil from within. The opposite of it is agitated and fretful and anxious and nagging. The term gentle means under control, meek. So the quiet and gentle spirit is an attitude that puts complete trust in God's ability to work in all situations. It is a firm belief that God is sovereign and that God is working and that God can convict my husband without my words. That God doesn't need my words to convict my husband of his disobedience. God can do it. And I'm confident in this. And therefore, I am at peace and tranquil within. If you're going to have a quiet and gentle spirit, ladies, you must have a strong conviction in the sovereignty of God. That God can indeed work good in all situations. And He is working good. And you can trust that. Now look at the pure and respectful behavior. Now respectful comes up again, just like it did in Ephesians. Again, God emphasizes the need of a wife to respect her husband, not only in her words, but in her behavior as well, in her actions. Pure means free from sin. It means pure from fault. So when he looks at your pure behavior, you know what he sees? He sees somebody that's living the Christ-filled life. He sees somebody that's walking like Christ walked. He sees somebody's life that is without fault, that is blameless. God is saying that your lifestyle will be a powerful, convicting witness before your husband. Powerfully convicting. It will probably work something like this. As you respect your husband, he will want to live up to your respect. As you live in purity before him, your life will convict him of sin in his life. And because he wants to maintain your respect and your admiration, he will change what he's doing in order to keep that admiration and respect. And because you are a submissive wife and you have a quiet and gentle spirit, he does not think you're trying to change him. And therefore he does not react because his male pride doesn't get into it because he doesn't feel like you're trying to change him. And you're saying that you don't like the way, the way he is. And because the male ego is not involved in it, he's open to the convicting hand of God in his life. And because you are obedient to God, being that submissive wife, not speaking a word, then you are releasing God to work in his life. I see some marriage situations and the wife wants to know why God's not working on that disobedient husband. And the problem is the wife's in the way. She's in the way always trying to tell him what he's doing wrong and tell him how he needs to do this and needs to do that and shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that. I say, just get out of the way. Just be quiet and let God. Wives, God can do more in one second on that man than you can do in one year with your consent continuous nagging and correcting. Because the way men are made, when his wife gets on his case, you know what he does? He bows up. I mean, he bows up like a toad. And hey, it's just going to get harder from then on. Because he may even see you're right. But he won't admit it now because you have stomped on his pride. You know? It's no longer a matter of right and wrong, it's a matter of saving face, right? So what he's got to overcome in order to start doing what's right is, first he's got to overcome his own saving face, and then he's got to admit that what you said was right in order for him to do it. So when you don't correct him, but simply by your lifestyle, by your attitude he's convicted Hey, he can't get upset with you. You're just living the Christian life. You haven't said anything. It's just the way you live. His ego hadn't gotten involved in it because you hadn't attacked him. You hadn't said anything. Now he is free to say, yeah, you know, she's she's right. I, I shouldn't be doing this. I can tell by the way she's living that I'm doing wrong, and therefore I need to change. Now remember, ladies, God will work in his time and his way to his glory. Don't think one week after you get quiet, he's going to become the perfect man. doesn't work that way. You say, you mean I can never, ever correct my husband when he's wrong? To that I say, yes. You cannot. But you know what you can do and what you should do? Is you should appeal to him. And appeal is not a word of correction. That's the difference. And you can appeal to him because you have had that quiet and gentle spirit. You have had that submissive attitude. And you are living with respectful and pure behavior. And because of that, you can appeal to him. Now, you're not correcting him. You're just saying, honey, have you considered this verse? Or, honey, have you considered this aspect of it? And you're planting a seed. You're speaking a word of caution to him. You're asking him to consider something that maybe he has not considered. Asking him to consider perhaps a verse that maybe he's not thought about. I mean, you know your husband is is planning on cheating on his taxes. He's a Christian. And one day you're talking and you say, Honey, you know, I was reading the scripture today and I came across this verse. I want to know what you think about it. And it says, "Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. That's all you have to say. Just let God speak. And back off. See, you're quiet and gentle spirit. You can back off and let God. It's not up to you to keep on bringing it up next. Well, honey, have you thought more about that verse? Uh, honey, uh, you know, I started thinking about it. Maybe I can help you understand what it means. You don't need to do that. You just back off and let God work. No nagging, no harassing. You just back off. And in fact, wives, you have a responsibility to appeal to your husband when you see that he's about to make a mistake. And any wise man will welcome his wife's appeal, men, and will even ask for it. When he's about to make a decision, a major decision, you will want your wife's input if you are a wise man. And you will say, Honey, I welcome your appeal. Or you will say sometimes, Honey, you know, I wonder about something. What do you think? Do you see... How do, you, how do you feel about this? Do you see any Scripture passages that might deal with this? And when your husband asks you, then lovingly and gently share your heart, your mind, with him. Always doing so with the attitude and behavior that Scripture has said. Quietness, gentleness, submission, in respect, and pure. And then let God work on him. Trust me, God's ways are much higher than our ways. And God's ways are much better than our ways. So wives, your words are very important to your marriage. Are you speaking words of respect and admiration to your husband? Again, don't worry about him getting the big head. It's not your job to humble him. God to do that. God is the master humbler. He'll humble him. That's not your job. God will do it. Are you speaking those words of admiration and respect? Are you not speaking those words of correction? May God grant you the grace to speak the words that he would want you to speak and not to speak the words that he would not want you to speak. Let's pray. Father, we know how crucial words are to a relationship. How crucial the words of a wife are to her husband. And I pray, Father, your spirit would stir within these ladies a desire to indeed respect and admire their husbands and to speak those words in sincerity. I pray you would put a guard over their mouth and and a watch over the door of their lips they would not speak those words of correction that would naturally want to come out. They'd bite their tongues. and They would instead, through their respectful and chaste behavior and through their submissive and quiet and gentle spirit, win their husbands over from their disobedience as you use them by their lifestyle to convict their husbands. Forgive us when we fall short, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps today you have realized, maybe God's been working in your life this week, and you've come to a place of realizing that you do not know Christ in a personal way. That you've never come to that place in your life that you have surrendered your life to Him as your Lord and Savior. Oh, you know what the Bible says about Jesus being the Son of God, dying for sin, being resurrected. But you've never personally surrendered to Him. You've never committed your life to Him. And I want you to know that there's no other way whereby God is given that man must be saved except through Jesus Christ. He says, All those who come to me, I'll in no wise send in your way. I don't care what you've done, He will receive you if you'll come and call upon His mercy, asking Him to forgive you of your sins. And give you a place in heaven. He'll come and live within you. Enabling you to be the wife, the husband, the son, the daughter that he's called you to be. Respond in obedience to the Lord as we stand and sing together.